What do you want to be when you grow up? Kids get asked that question by adults all the time as if children don't have enough to worry about already. This question came up particularly frequently during school from teachers. What do you want to be when you grow up? My father was a plumber, at least for the time that I knew him. He was other things before that, and eventually he went into management, but I distinctly remember him coming home late from work and opening the door from the Chicago cold with a frosted mustache and frozen eyebrows. I once took a career quiz that I found online, I must have been in junior high school, that suggested I consider being an actuary. I had no idea what that was, but my subsequent research described a job that involved a lot of math, statistics, and analysis. I was good at those things. It seemed to be mostly an indoor job, which I found appealing, and it appeared to offer the opportunity to earn more than $100,000 a year, which I also found appealing. My mother was a homemaker. She had worked in a movie theater and a bank, but eventually stopped working to take care of me. It was a thankless job, and it was difficult to find evidence that she had a passion for it. Not to say that she didn't have a passion for me, she did, but loving a child and managing a household are different things. She had multiple iterations of a book that was popular during that time that was supposed to help people refrain from sweating the small stuff. It proved ineffectual. I'm good at teaching, I've always been good at teaching, and I've always enjoyed it. I volunteered to read to kids since I was one myself, hosting reading circles as early as kindergarten. In college, I interned at a low-income elementary school. Reading to the youngest students was my favorite part of the job, and it's how I spent most of my elective time. The wonder with which those children watched me read is the most effective antidepressant I've ever used. But looking it up, teachers were making less than $55,000 a year. Kanye West told me that having money isn't everything, but not having it is. A claim regularly substantiated by my own observations, even though adults in my life often tried to suggest the opposite. Do what you love, they say, and you'll never work a day in your life, or something like that. My grandfather was a dairy farmer. Over the course of my life, the place in the economy for a small-scale independent farmer withered and vanished. The market for artisan small-batch food wouldn't re-emerge until well after his farm stopped producing, but he still raised and sold alfalfa and grass hay. I used to sell it with him. We would sit in the truck and wait for a customer to arrive, and when they did, my grandpa would take the order while I crawled up onto the haystacks and fulfilled it. I spent a lot of my childhood helping my grandfather with his work. He died working, and that's exactly how he would have preferred it. Contrary to these other adults, he loved what he did, and he worked every day of his life. I was starting to think I wasn't exactly working with experts here. I liked animals. I liked big cats. I once spent hours creating a poster-sized drawing of a tiger. I liked birds of prey. I had a large-format Smithsonian book about them that I devoured. I presented a research project on beavers in the second grade, and it's been my favorite animal ever since. In high school, I learned that zoology usually required a master's degree and preferred a PhD. At my local zoo, the internships were lengthy, unpaid, and full-time, so it didn't appear that would work. Looking back, I now realize that I never took this question from adults and teachers seriously, mainly because I knew they weren't asking it literally. They all asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew that they were actually curious about the ideas I had for how I might make money as an adult. They asked what I wanted to be when they really wanted to know if I was forming a plan to have a livelihood. There were times in my upbringing that I answered the question with teacher or doctor and yes, even actuary for a bit. There were times that I had even further fetched ideas, writer, rally car driver, restaurateur, fun answers to a question that to me was a bit silly. The literal answer to their question was easy, however, I figured that giving it would receive the same condescending derision as basketball player or movie star. 
I just wanted to be happy when I grew up, and if the adults around me were any indication, that was going to be difficult enough as it was without becoming fixated on a specific career path at 10 years old. The challenge was clear. Happy never came up on those quizzes. There wasn't any literature on happiness in the Career Counseling Center. I couldn't find a degree in happiness on any college websites. I could find someone to teach me to become an actuary or a lawyer or an accountant or whatever I ended up doing for money. I wasn't worried about that. I hadn't found anyone even remotely prepared to teach me how to be happy. It helped to remember that Malcolm X taught himself to read and write while he was in prison. He's remembered as one of the most articulate communicators of his time and he taught himself. So I remained optimistic. I happened upon a book called The Last Lecture by Professor Randy Pausch. It was based on an actual lecture that he delivered at Carnegie Mellon. I was affected by that lecture as much as anything else in my life. Pausch was dying of terminal cancer when he gave the lecture. For him, it really was his last lecture. He structures the lecture, which is part of a series that offers professors the opportunity to share their life and career lessons as a discussion about how he achieved his childhood dreams. Now, if only there was a lecture on how to acquire some childhood dreams. If your dream is to be happy, Pausch's prescription becomes a bit of a paradox. So I was right and wrong. I'm a happy adult now, probably far happier than I ever really planned on being, and in large part that happiness was self-taught. However, there were so many other people that helped in that education along the way, including Pausch. While he didn't tell me how to build a childhood dream, he gave me a sense of what one looks like. More importantly, he gave me a sense of what it looks like for an adult to die happy. Opening myself to learning about happiness from others required me to reframe the conversation in a way that we can apply to that question we ask children now. I had to stop asking whether this person knew anything about being happy that they could teach me. Instead, I eventually learned that I simply had to ask them if they were happy. The answers to that question in its myriad forms was rich with valuable insights and information. When we ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, we're trying to ask whether they'll be okay when they grow up. We're probably better off just asking if they're okay now and giving them access to our own answers to the same question. That information offers both parties much more value.